This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Tallman Equipment, where they pride themselves on equipping their customers with the tools they need to get the job done right. They are dedicated to set the standard for quality, convenience, and reliability. At Tallman, your opinion is important to them. Rate and review any product or tool you've used on their new website at tallmanequipment.com. Line 11 Clothing Company. Making apparel for our first responders with a positive message to patriots that you can be proud of. A proceed of the cost goes to helping our foundation ignite the fire for father engagement. Give them a follow at Line11Clothing on Instagram. And last but not least, Monzingo Knives. Each knife is created with craftsmanship that only a tradesman could provide. Find them on Instagram at Monzingo Knives and get your American-made Monzingo knife today. Hello and welcome to the Show Up Dad podcast. This podcast is created for hardworking fathers. At the Show Up Dad, we recognize that fathers providing for their children is certainly important. But when men truly understand their unique role and gain the knowledge and skills to be great fathers, they can transform and impact future generations. I'd like to welcome back Anthony Sabio to our show. His last podcast was so amazing that we had to do a round two. So in case you guys missed it, in that last episode, Tony has decades of experience in the security and intelligence industry from a long distinguished career in the U.S. Navy, U.S. Secret Service, and the CIA. Tony served under George W. Bush as a tactical canine handler with the Emergency Response Team in Special Operations Division for President Protection Detail. He later became the Deputy Chief for the Counterintelligence Center and has deployed well over 1,500 days to numerous countries across the world. He currently serves as a Chief Security Officer for Colorado Security Agency, which provides security for Fortune 500 agencies and high-value dignitaries. So without further ado, Welcome to our show up, brother. Hey, thank you for that. Um, yeah, it's been a long time and a lot of things happened since then. Uh, a lot of things in the world, a lot of things in my life. Thank Absolutely. You on here. <laughs> Absolutely, brother. I mean, I mean, gosh, man, we've had all kinds of stuff going on in the world since the last time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, Tony, I wanted to ask you, you recently were on People Magazine. Okay, and it talked about how you had extracted a 15-year-old boy from war-torn Ukraine. I want you to tell us a little bit about that experience, if you don't mind, homie. Yeah, no worries. Um, it came out of left field, obviously. Uh, you know, through our company, uh, I was asked if I knew any resources. This is the day after the actual invasion. So we're talking the invasion happened on the 24th of February. This is the 25th. Uh, so, yeah, I reached out to some of my connections and see if they had anybody uh, to, to assist getting this person out, uh, this boy out. So uh, what I did was I reached out and, and nobody was willing to do anything. Everyone was tied up. There was nothing that they could do. And even the resources I did have in country, it was an NGO. Uh, they were busy helping out with uh, getting food and, and other things in the country. So I, I let my colleague know. He reached out to me on a Sunday um, and said, hey, all my resources out. You know, I asked big companies if they would be able to help out. And none of them said yes. They said it's uh, too dangerous to go in. So with no options, I told him, tell the dad, I'll go in. I'll take care of it. Not having an idea what I was going to do, but kind of putting myself in a situation with uh, me being a father myself. And if I was in the same situation and my son was in Ukraine, stuck in Kiev, how would I feel? I will, I'll move the mountains trying to get this to my son. Yeah. So, you know, I took it upon myself and said, yes, I'll do it. I mean, the whole company was kind of beside himself you know 
having no assets there, no uh, connections, no intelligence of what's going on, you know, that I was just gonna go. And I think uh, a lot of the company knew I had the capabilities of doing this, but we never really seen this you know, up close and personal. Now there's a situation where they're actually gonna, we're seeing this materialize. So I think they had a little bit of worry, could he actually do this? For myself, uh, you know, nowhere in government would you ever do a single man operation. Yeah. Nevertheless, would you ever do anything, even in a team operation, without any assets on the ground or having any support network to help you if you do get an advantage? Um, so this was kind of something that is very unorthodox. Nothing like this would ever be sanctioned. Mm -hmm. um, so what I did to start off is, you know, I went through all my skill sets of, of knowledge of what I need to do to set this up. The first thing is try to gain assets and uh, gain as much intelligence on the ground. So I went through the internet, found some, uh, some groups um, on, through Facebook uh, that had uh, interest in, in Ukraine and what's going on there. A lot of them were, you know, providing services and valuable information on Round was linked up with a uh, chat room in WhatsApp mm -hmm. with about 200, 300 members on there. And uh, most of it was in Ukrainian. So I, you know, very well versed now in taking the copy and paste and going to Google Translate to kind of see what they're writing. But I was able to find people there to give me some information. You know, I, I, I told them that my son was stuck over there and I just want to try to get him out. Um, this was the buildup between me, you know, saying yes and, and before my my plane ticket out. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was able to establish communication and have people work with me to try to get me some more information and, and try to give ways. But nevertheless, I was heading out to uh, Romania to uh, try to get at least on the ground and, and keep working this and figuring this thing out. That started my time of not having this thing. I woke up at seven o'clock in the morning. Uh, to this phone call, and it, that was the last time I slept. It just continued on. On the plane, I was able to communicate through WhatsApp with uh, my Romanian contacts, giving me some information, uh, and also my people in D.C. from my company that was getting things through open source as far as what's happening on the ground with the Russian forces. Um, so when D.C. was talking to you by you know, my Romanian assets were already asleep and getting some snooze. And then vice versa, when the DC team went to sleep, my Romanian people woke up. So I was just getting force fed this whole time. So uh, during my flight, getting on information, we actually established a way to get the boy out through uh, an asset we developed on the ground with my Romanian uh, people. That person was going to pick up the kid and move him to the train station in uh, Kiev and then move him to Lviv, where I will meet him in Lviv, Ukraine, and then pull him the rest of the way out. Uh, so we had a great plan going. He was already set, bought the tickets. Um, and, and all I had to do was now get to Lviv, which is right across the border, probably uh, 200 miles wow. into uh, Ukraine. So that saved me a lot of time instead of going all the way to the east side towards Kiev. And it seemed like a very good plan. Uh, at the time with the intel coming in, the Russians were moving around, the border lines weren't even set up, like the battle space wasn't even set up. You didn't know where uh, the Russians were gonna go. They're flying planes everywhere, missile strikes. They were just causing havoc throughout the whole country coming from there east and then coming from the north from uh, belarus mm. so it, you know in the early stages the hardest part because you don't know what's happening you don't know how the ukrainian army is going to react where they're mobilizing where they're drawing the battle lines so as we get closer and to the time and now i'm in romania we have a great plan to brief up uh, the owners of the company we're all set. They're 100% happy that I don't have to go all the way to Kiev, mm -hmm. that I just have to go inside Ukraine <laughs> because, you know, it's a huge difference. Yeah. Um, an hour before the train leaves, I get a call 
from uh, my Romanian contacts saying he's not doing it anymore. Our asset on the ground is not doing it anymore. And, I, and I'm asking him, okay, why? It's an hour out from this. Why? I'm already getting to the border to head out to Lviv. They tell me that his brother was part of resistance force in Kiev and got shot. So it totally freaked him out and he wasn't going to leave his house anymore. Mm-hmm. I did everything I can to talk with him, to try to get him, motivate him, everything I can to get him out of there. Um, there was no amount of money, no nothing that I could get him to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I report this back to DC. We try to develop a plan, a plan B now. Plan yeah. B was to work with another uh, team. We found actually another uh, company that was doing extractions. Uh, we talked about for five hours, came out like we we're going to have a plan. But about midnight, everyone started signing off. And so I, I contact my colleague and, and tell him, hey, do we have a plan? Because I think wasn't supposed to go at 7 a.m. in the morning for a pickup. He thought so. Then he contacts him. And they say, no, we're playing this for a couple of weeks down the road. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do it tomorrow. Obviously, I, I felt like I wasted five hours of my life. Oh, I yeah. Done many more things. And um, so I'm kind of irate. And I tell my colleagues in D.C., well, I'm headed to the border and I'm going to figure this out because the situation on the ground is getting worse. Um, hour by hour, it, 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 it's just getting worse. So I get my Romanians to drive me up to the border and I'm going to figure this out. I get up there. I get a call from another friend of mine um, that is very in tune with open source intelligence and has connections within the government that found out that the Russians were bringing down um, rocket launchers, mobile rocket launchers from Belarus to cut off Kiev from the west. And uh, these rocket launchers were called bunker bo- uh, busters. So no matter if you even went into garages, it was, it's meant to explode everything. These are the worst of the worst. Yeah. So he tells me either tell the kid to hunker down, don't go underneath, just hide, or get the kid out now. Um, and now we're talking 5 a.m. in the morning on uh, the 1st, on March 1st. So I made a decision right there. If this kid's going to come out, I need to go now. Yeah. So I contacted GC, let them know. Time difference, right, you know, between there and here. It was uh, approximately 11 o'clock stateside East Coast Mm -hmm. that I was going in. Uh, They contacted me and they said, are you sure you're going to do this? I said, there's no other option. I got to get to this kid. And, and so uh, that started a long journey uh, going across. Um, I went across utilizing my uh, cover as a medic, uh, saying that I got cut off from my uh, team mm-hmm. and I need to get to Kiev. Um, I did have some money on me. It was Romanian money. I wasn't able to take out United States dollars only because of the time limit I had when I found out that I was going or decided I was going and getting to the plane and it was a Sunday so there was no banks open. Yeah. So I had money in the bank, but I had no access. When I landed, I was able to get Romanian money, um, thinking that that was gonna help me. Come to find out that Romanian money is completely worthless in Ukraine. They wouldn't even take it, uh, even though the Romanian dollar is uh, a lot stronger by far than the Ukrainian. Um, they just wouldn't take it. So whatever money I had in my pocket, USD, I was able to uh, mm-hmm. get my first ride from the border Sorrent, and he was going to get me to a town called Klemensky, which is the middle of uh, Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I'm jumping into a vehicle where I don't know the person. I, I don't know 
his intentions. I don't know his background. There's no vetting. So vetting was done on the fly. And normally when we do vetting, there's a series of things that we do when we want to trust somebody. Yeah. Um, obviously, you just don't jump into some strange vehicle. Um, but at this point, you know, I did what I had to do. And, and I had the skills and knowledge and, um, you know, things to be able to handle myself in the situation if it arised. And I was prepared to do that. But what I did was try to talk with him first to see what his intentions was. Yeah. Not offer money right away, but just kind of ask and, and see if he was even willing. And then if he was willing, but a little bit hesitant, then I offered him money mm -hmm. uh, to kind of push it over the top. Yeah. So so that's what we did. So the first trip going out there, you know, I'm seeing the most horrific things. Uh, of cars, I'm seeing people taking everything they have and, and cramming it into cars, driving the opposite direction. Lines as far as you can see at checkpoints, leaving the areas. Um, I see, you know, families carrying their stuff, all their belongings, and heading out towards towards the border in Romania. Mm -hmm. um, so as we continue, while we get to our first step, uh, my DC counterparts did find somebody to be able to pull him out of Kiev, which gave me uh, a little breather right there so I didn't have to go into the city but it was going to bring him right outside mm -hmm. then I had to continue going so as I kept kept progressing and trying to find these rides and vet people on the slide you know I'm dealing with a lot at, at the same time uh, oh, constant yeah, air sure. raids where as I'm walking through the city and moving to my next location air raids happen and you know dumping into buildings strange people that I don't even know, Ukrainians, none of them speak really English, you know, probably the percentage of people that I encountered, probably 5% spoke any type of English, and it was mostly broken English. Mm -hmm. um, but jumping into, into you know, faces with Ukrainians, air raids constantly going off, and then on top of that, trying to navigate through a country that I've never been in. Uh, the intel that was coming in was from DC, also from my Romanians that were pushing a lot of things to me, telling me what the battle space was looking like and it's constantly moving. And then dealing with the air raids, sirens, and hearing the jets fly by was a continuous thing that was happening. So various things was going on that made the actual transition to the kid, uh, really difficult. Mm. Um, so when I actually reached the kid and I met him right outside Kiev, there was this big overwhelming, I finally got him, mm. uh, came over me, but then the fear came in. Now, now I have to deal with all this exterior stuff happening and also take care of him. Wow. So, now the pressure comes up because usually when you do this stuff, you, know, you have two yeah. people. Any any executive protection, things you do like this, you can have one person, you know, uh, watching the kid and one person kind of navigating everything. Yeah, not a complete three sixty. Here I'm doing it all by myself in a country I've never been in. I have zero support, so if something does happen, there's nobody coming for me. Um, and knowing that, and and having my counterparts in DC uh, tracking me uh, through my phone. But in reality, they can't do anything for me. This, you know, uh, we did get State Department permission because he is a minor and I was moving him through. So the parents signed off on me extracting their son. So they're keen about it, but they had no jurisdiction to go in and help me out at all. They just had to, they had to know what was going on. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I get the kid and now we're gonna hunker down because I figured out how to get there, yeah. get to the kid. I on the fly. I did not have a plan to get out. I had no <laughs> clue. I had no exit plan. I had no exit plan entering. So yeah. this is all on the fly. So I get a hotel room, we hunker down. 
And during the night, air raid sirens are going off. So I'm trying to get them to sleep. But every time it goes off, I'm pulling them out. And then we're getting away from the windows. And then, you know, going right back to sleep. And that's constantly happening. And, and, and these, uh, the fighting was happening literally 40 kilometers away from our location. Just so happened that I picked the location and, and I didn't know that there was a major air base not too far away. Um, so during the night waste trying to sleep, I'm trying to talk to my uh, Romanian contacts and say, hey, find me a way out of here. You know, I'm talking with the local, nobody's leaving now. Everyone that's already left is gone and nobody wants to transit out because they're staying there. They have to come back through and the roads are getting worse because now the Russians are moving closer to, to the mid part of, of, of uh, this, the country and it's closing off everything. You don't know where they're gonna pop up from and where the, the missile strikes are gonna come from. So we finally got somebody to come up that was coming up from um, a close border town up towards my way. Yeah. Problem was my Romanian contact doesn't know him, got him through a group chat knows nothing of him mm -hmm. and now it's patently passed to me so i didn't even establish this connection i'm like okay well this is plan a let's try this out mm -hmm. on top of that the guy spoke no english at all i had to use an app called viber which translates everything over it's an app that i'll use constantly now for anything like this um so i'm trying to vet as much as possible yeah but you, you really can't win Two, you're doing it over a text message. And, um, you know, next off of that is you are trying to vet someone off the way they speak, which, mm -hmm. you know, he spoke Ukrainian, which is sort of like Russian. So it's very more direct. There's no softness to it. Mm -hmm. So the texts I'm reading are very stiff yeah. and robotic. And so I can't get a sense of the guy. I can't get a sense of is this guy, what is this guy about? And then on top of that, he's coming out with, hey, my car needs repair, so I'm going to send my friend to come pick you up. I'm like, okay, hold on, mm. red flags are coming up with this. But this is the only option I have. I would, I, we looked at taking a train. The train was coming from Kiev to our town, and then from our town, continue on to the border uh, town. But that got shut down because the Russians were bombing the area where the trains were going through, so they weren't moving the trains anymore. Wow. Um, so the only other option was I was going to steal a car and then try to get through, but that required... Um, me finessing through the border checkpoints because the border checkpoints they're checking for uh, registrations. Mm -hmm. So I'm now going to run into another situation that I'm going to get uh, you know jacked up with the Ukrainians. Yeah, yes, and, and pulled me over. So we rolled dice with the guys coming in. So now two guys up in the car. Both of them speak no English. Um, the boy now speaks both languages. Mm. So he can listen, but he's a 15-year-old boy. You task him out with something like it, tassing your, your son out with something. They don't know the gravity of what's happening. Yeah. So when I tell him, hey, can you listen into what he's saying? He's doing it while playing his, you know, his, uh, his game board. Yeah. So is he really listening in? On top of that, the deal was I was going to wire money to him, mm -hmm. the guy. Um, cause he wanted USD. So we get in a vehicle and now I'm talking with my bank. Um, and for some reason, even though I set up earlier that day, for some reason now they, uh, put me on hold for 40 minutes. Wow. Now these guys are getting irritated. We're in a vehicle. They moved us from the hotel out to another area. We hunkered down right there and it says it's a 40 minute wait. 
you hear the nice, you know, elevator music playing. I'm like, you got to kid me. Damn. At the same time, my team in DC, I told them, hey, I'm going off comms. They're worrying the heck out of me because they're tracking me and seeing this vehicle not move or seeing me not moving at all. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's going on. Um, and I can't talk with them because then I lose my place being on hold. So, yeah. So during this time, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to talk with with these guys who Viber and plus uh, the boy that speaks Ukrainian, mm-hmm. and trying to not have him worry so much. Yeah. Um, and, and then every scenario is going through my mind: what could happen? What's going to happen? What am I going to do? So during a call while I'm waiting, the guys get out because they're going to go smoke. Mm-hmm. It's it's so cold outside. And inside it's warm, so the windows are fogged up. I can't see these guys. I'm on the site. I don't know what they're going to do or anything. Still on the phone. It's on speaker, waiting for the bank. They uh, they come back in. So I purposely position the boy behind the driver. So if anything happens, it's probably going to come from the past. Yeah, if he's going to do anything, he's going to attack me. He has kind of come around the seat to me right so i purposely placed them there so if anything happened i could go towards the driver take out the driver block and shield the boy have him get out the door and then take care of the passenger and at least i can you know deal with the situation the boy has a quick escape yeah have a way out so that's why i told the boy before they got in hey make it happen i'll lock that door i want if i something happens i want you to run go and run and i'll find you um guys come in you could tell the tension was heated uh you know, it, was, it was it was thick they were pissed off they wanted money and i didn't know what was gonna happen are they gonna now turn on us are they gonna abandon us out here in the middle of nowhere now and now it's like you know seven o'clock at night um and it's cold outside you know i didn't know what they're gonna do so finally the bank gets online we do the transfer Everything goes good. Um, you know, during this time, this wait, you know, I did have weapons with me and I did places, you know, ready to go if I needed to. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, they were out of sight, but they were right there. The boy couldn't see it, no one could see it, but it was ready to 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 detect us. Yeah. Um luckily nothing happened. We got the transfer. The passenger got out, the driver took us, and now we're in, into the situation where the driver only had half a tank, and, we, and we're going to go like 500 miles on half a tank. Ain't going to happen. Uh, the trek took forever. You know, uh, trying to find a gas station that was still open that had gas, going through um, the roads where you see the Ukrainian transport vehicles going opposite direction. Where we're coming from, and then getting intel coming in that um, avoid these areas because the fighting's right there. And one of the areas that we're going to go through, there was actually the fighting was actually happening there. Mm-hmm. So during that time, trying to navigate, trying to keep the boy calm, um, you know, and, and, and keep him relaxed, and talking with this guy because still I don't know who this guy is. He just got paid, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know what he's going to do now. So kind of keeping, you know, uh, talking with the guy, getting him and trying to, you know, be, be prepared, you know, yeah. and, and tracking where he's driving, making sure he's driving where I need to, to get to. So all this is happening um, throughout this whole time. You know, we finally make it, find some gas, put some gas in, finally make it to the um, now we're talking March 3rd, 3 a.m. in the morning. Finally arrived. I started this. Uh, I crossed the border the first, uh, March 1st at 5, 5.40, you know, training time. Mm-hmm. Now we're leaving March 3rd, um, 3 a.m. in the morning. And granted, this whole time, I was up since Sunday all, all the way through. Damn. So, um, yeah, uh, extremely tired at this point. We cross over. It was the biggest relief. 
um, you know, all the obstacles, all the everything. I, I think, uh, you know, from my standpoint, what got me through the weekend well, was actually the kid mm-hmm. watching it. The biggest thing that I saw and you know, the relief I had was when I actually reunited the, uh, the boy with his father and seeing that. And it just made me feel good. Yeah. It made everything I did worth it. All the, you know, staying up for that long, all the the, the trouble was I went through. And, and I honestly feel that, you know, I had a guardian agent. I did yeah. through this whole thing. Um, you know, people say that what I did was amazing and everything. And at the time, I don't think anything of it, but, you know, reflecting back on it, you know, there was a lot of exposure and at any time it could have went south. Yeah. And I, I feel grateful for everyone that supported me. And, but I do feel that there was something there that was supporting me, guiding me and, and assisting me. Absolutely, man. I mean, I can't even imagine just the highs and lows. I mean, <laughs> just thinking, you know, it's it's uh, one of the things that really resonated with me, Tony, is when you said that it's one thing to be with your partner working in two man teams or whatever, right? But having this 15 year old, now you're on yourself. Now you're alone. And I liken that to being a journeyman lineman for the first time. And now you're taking your apprentice up with you. You know, you're so used to being with somebody who knows something. And then now you're the, now you're the one who's in charge. You know, now you have this young guy who can't help you. And he's looking at you with these, you know, for lack of better words, this, this look on his face, like a cow looks at a bad, a brand new cattle guard, you know, and they're looking at you for all the direction, for the answers, for everything. And you're like, hold on, bro, <laughs> hold the pool. You know what I mean? But uh, it, it's really awesome to see that you're training and that's why you guys are the best, you know, really carried you through that dedication and stuff like that. And then you having to reach down and finding that why to get you through it as well. That, that's, that's pretty awesome to see that, you know, um, we always talk about how when things get rough, you got to have that why. And man, that's, that's, that's awesome that you're able to find your why and just seeing the outcome, seeing the end, the light at the end of the tunnel of seeing that boy being united with his father. That's, that's beautiful, brother. Truly. Yeah, it was, it was something that, that, you know, you know, to say, you know, a lot of people say, you know, why would you even do this? Well, would you do it again? I said, yes, I was put in the same situation. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and a father came to me or, or a mom or somebody came to me and said, you know, would you, you know, can you help me? Can you do this? I would, you know, a thousand percent. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I look at everything that I've been blessed with in my life, all my training, all my, um, you know, skills, uh, my, my, everything I was blessed with that God gave me as far as the path that he put me on. Mm-hmm. To go from, you know, uh, living in, in National City, California, going to military, then going to Secret Service, where I never thought I would ever be, then going to the CIA, never thought in a thousand years, anything like that. Yeah. But, you know, there's a purpose of everything you do. And yes. to me, this was my purpose. This is why I, I this is where God led, this is where everyone led where you know that higher power led me to and me to deny it you know is a self it's selfish to do that yes um and you know i I'm, i look at it as a normal thing you know mm-hmm. I, i've been hearing from a lot of people that you know it's amazing what you did and all this and i don't look at it any special than just another day in the office mm-hmm. um and maybe it's it's because I, I never felt I never felt alone. I always felt that there was something with me that's guiding me. Mm-hmm. And I had this feeling inside me that everything's gonna be all right. My heart's in the right place, I'm doing the right thing, and it's good, it's gonna be fine. Now, other people that were dealing with, you know, helping with the intel stateside, seeing everything happen transpiring, talking to them in retrospect, we did a whitewash. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't even know how I was going to get this done, you know, 
alone that I was doing it by myself. And, uh, you know, I thank them. I thank all of them because, you know, it does get lonely. Man. You know, I spent the majority of the time in the very beginning by myself. Yeah. You know, alone, no support, no nothing. And I can't imagine what was going through their minds when they know the situation's happening. They're getting intel, uh, more intel than I'm getting. Mm-hmm. And talking to me, knowing that if something does happen, there's no way they can help me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I would not want to be in that situation. I, I told them that to you. I said, thank you guys for being there. And, and I understand how hard it is. Because the last words they could say to me, and that's what I could say to them, can be, I mean, those can literally be the, the very last, last words. words. And something that they, they'll have to live with and everything that they couldn't help. So, uh, but I always felt that something inside that was guiding this whole thing no for sure i mean you know i always say that there's a purpose for everything right and it's up to us to look at all the details um i don't believe in coincidences i don't everything is for a reason you know and you just got to look for that reason right um i see now that uh like you said you know there's a purpose for you you know one of the things that really stood out when you're talking tony is how you said you're going into this place and it was war torn. I imagine when you're, when you're saying that, I imagine looking like, uh, like red Dawn, you know, when the Russians come in and Patrick Swayze movie, you know what I mean? And every, you know, they're rolling around in tanks and stuff like that. I, I picture that, you know, and, uh, and it's just people just piling up trying to leave that place, you know? Um, that's one of the things we see, like, as me being a journeyman lineman, we going out into storm, you know, miles and miles and miles, as far as you can see, people are just packing up all their stuff and trying to leave that state, trying to get out of Florida, you know, and here we are clear sailing all the way into the heart of the storm, you know, getting ready to set up base so we can start restoring power as soon as it gets, the world gets torn upside down, you know, um, when you see people like that leaving, right? It's because they've lost hope. And it's awesome to see that you're running in there as a true American hero. Just like us as linemen, we're running into that storm to restore hope. I know a lot of people say, oh, you're restoring power. But just like you, we're going in there to restore hope to those people. And that's why they're leaving. You know, so I think that's truly an awesome testament of your character, Tony, and the men and women who put their lives on the line to go and restore hope in these war-torn areas or these hurricane-infested areas or where, you know, tornadoes and natural disasters have occurred. You know what I mean? It's It takes a special person to go in there and do what we do. You know what I mean? So once again, dude, th- that's amazing, brother. Your story is absolutely awesome. I'm so glad for you to come on here, you know what I mean, and, and tell us. And share yeah, it. it's... Yeah, it's, you know, I'm agreeing with you with that. Yeah, you know, you get guys that are rushing in there and, and do what they got to do. And you get to a point where you're just not thinking. It's just it's just something you have to do. And that was always been something that I've always gravitated towards, you know, with this particular story and this particular situation, it just hit home so much more. Mm-hmm. You know, I spent so much time doing things overseas. Um, there's operations in, in war-torn countries everywhere. Mm-hmm. And part of what I've said to myself is, if something happened in the United States, I'm overseas trying to protect, am I protecting my family? Am I protecting my kids? Mm-hmm. And I, that always bothered me, you know? And so when this situation came, my kids flashed in my eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, if this was my son out there, my son out there, I would hesitate. And so that is, you know, that's the love of a, of a father. And the yes. love of a father, the, the actual fathers told me, he goes, Tony, I'll go with you. And I said, no, don't worry about it. I'd rather just do it by myself because, you know, you have enough on your mind. But in reality, I was thinking, my mom's like, I, can't be taking care of two people now one's already enough you know two people now um it's it makes a lot harder so uh, you know but i i could tell talking with him he was ready 
to go hop on a plane and, and go himself. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have the same skills. And so if he's willing to do that, and I have the skills, I have the knowledge um, to be able to pull this off, then why am I going to let him do something that I know is way over his head? Yeah. You know, and he won't be able to manage it. And, and, and I can't. So I, I, I do believe my path was, was connected with him mm-hmm. in this to be able to provide this particular, um, you know, uh, resolve this particular situation for him to mm-hmm. be able to come in. And even now, I'm friends with the kid, friends with the father. I, I mean, I talked with, with, the, with the boy. Uh, I was talking to him earlier today. He was watching a baseball game with his, with his dad. And he will send me pictures and everything. So we have a great relationship even now. And I actually told the kid, um, and I think it's in the story, if he ever finds himself again in a war-torn country, just contact Uncle Tony and I'll be there. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but but with that, I mean, the, the kid's a great kid. I, great mm-hmm. artist, plays a, the piano mm-hmm. uh, beautifully. Um you know, he's a special kid. And, and I told him that I'll, he'll always be part of my life and, and, and he could call me for anything, anything in the world. Do you think he's going to, you know, like five, 10 years from now, is he going to, you think he's going to look back and be like, man, here's a guy that didn't even know me. And he rescued, he, he risked everything to make sure I was going to have a life over here in America. Do you think he's going to, I think, well, first off, when people asked him what he thought, he said, he goes, it was the coolest experience of my life. That's mm-hmm. what he said. Mm-hmm. And he, he, that's a 50-year-old perspective. Yeah, it's cool. You know, he knew my background. He knew, you know, this person with this background is coming to, to get me. He thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. I don't think it really hit him as much, maybe down the road, to be like, wow, this is really, like, you know, yeah. really dangerous. Um. I don't think he understands gravity. It's kind of more that, you know, 50 year old, oh, it's cool. It's cool stuff. You know, I see this in like movies and video games and to be part of it. And, you know, it's only when you get older, you realize like, wow, you know, (laughs) you didn't have to do that, you know? Um, But I think down, you know, I I think he, he, he kind of gets it, but it's still that coolness factor involved in it. You know, me, I look at it as, as uh, you know, uh, it was something I had to do. Do I feel it's a little coolness and excitement there? Yeah. I mean, every once in a while, you know, you, you have to, you know, shake it up a bit. And, and, you know, your business, like going into these storms where the hurricanes are coming in, mm-hmm. not everyone could do this kind of stuff. But kind of that person that has that little bit of a drilling junkie within them yeah. you know um and yeah was there a little bit of that plane inside of it of me yeah um but yeah i think that will heal every gravity of it will hit him mm-hmm. i think deep down inside we're we're made that way you know um guys like you guys like me we have that inside of us and you know it's up to us to harness i call it a gift right to use this gift for good, for lack of better words. Yeah. Um, like you said, this father was willing, right? He was willing to do what was necessary to save his kid. He just didn't have the gifts or the skills, skill set, right? We call it a skill set, yeah. you know? And it's up to guys like us who have been wired that way to utilize that skill set and go out there and help the weak. One of the things I always tell my son, because um, he's my baby boy, right? And uh, he's been having issues because he's a big kid. He's like 98 percentile. You know, my my wife's father is like six, six. So they're yeah. going to be they're going to be huge. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, here my little ass is five, six, you know, on a good day. But uh, needless to say, my boy's big. And one of the things I always tell him is son, because he's all into working out. He sees daddy working out and arm wrestling and stuff like that. And he's always talking about being strong you know and he always likes this real strong characters like hulk and stuff like that so he identifies with that immediately but one of the things i always tell him is son i was like if you're going to be strong you got to use it to protect people god's giving you a gift you know and i'm always trying to harness that you know because 
I've seen it where if it's not checked, it can be used like in bullying and stuff like that. Right. And that's, that's, that's when it's not checked. Right. And it has to have that healthy balance and they have to be shown that. And that's what I've been doing with my son. You know what I mean? And I think it's important for men like us to be able to step in that gap when other men can't is what I'm getting at. You know what I mean? No, I I totally agree. And, you you know, having this mindset and and having this, uh, these skills, you know, you kind of look at it, you know, from from my standpoint, what am I teaching, you know, my kids, you know, my boys, Um, you know, what am I teaching, you know, not just my boys, my, my girls, you know, and when it comes down to it, it's the same thing I taught them before was, is, you know, you give yourself to help others. That's what yes. this is all about, you know? Whether you give yourself to help your family as a father to your kids, giving yourself up to them, or you're giving yourself up to help others that you don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, when, we, when we're all said and done, after, you know, we're on our deathbed and everything, you know, we got to sit back and say, you know, what was this all about? You know, did I make an impact? Whether the impact mm-hmm. is with your kids and being the father that you need to be there or helping others and being the man and father to represent everything that all the morals that you want your kids to gain from you. Mm-hmm. You got to look at it and say, what is this all about? What am I doing here? You know, I've always talked about this with other people. You know, at the end of the day, if you have all your cars and your big house and everything, you know, how are people going to remember you? And do you want to be remembered because you had a good job and a great car and a big house? Or do you want to be remembered as a person that would give anything they can to help others? A person that represented the moral values that built good citizens good kids, you know, build good families mm-hmm. and show that to other families what a good, you know, human is like. Mm-hmm. And if anything of me can rub off to this boy and to his father for what I did and to my kids, and to anybody that's listening to these stories, if anything of what I did can rub off to them and then maybe they could live a life of being selfless Mm. as opposed to selfish and give more to their kids, give more to their communities, give more to everyone. Maybe it's that's what is needed to have that domino effect. Yep. Right now, we're in a society that's on the downfall. I mean, we got things going downhill. And the story that went out in people's, I, I wanted people to, to read it and to get that inspiration, mm-hmm. you know, that this this was something that i didn't have to do and something that if you look at the odds and 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 rank it the odds are bad yeah you know but it's who we are it's who we should all strive to be and if i could take if i could change one mind if i could enlighten someone else to do selfless acts out there Mm -hmm. i mean to me that's more powerful than anything to see that kind of stuff I agree with you hundred percent, Tony. And not only that, it's contagious, brother, you know, seeing someone who does something heroic like that, it makes you want to level up, right. At least uh, any normal human being, right. I mean, you got the ones that are slugs and labor fakers and just don't want to do anything. And you're not going to change that. You know, there's no amount of shame you can put on somebody that's going to change it. They're just who they are. Okay. And that's, I like what you said, bad human being. Okay. Um, with that being said, the ones that do want to level up, you know what I mean? You're setting that bar bar high. So they are inspired by your stories, you know, and all these other stories that are going out there, you know what I mean? And they want to raise to the next level. You know, one of my good friends always says, I'm not here to give you a handout. I'm here to give you a hand up, Yep. you know, and, and that's what we need to do. That's what the world needs. You're absolutely right. When you said that, dude, because we live in a world right now that's so sprawled out and disconnected that no one knows anything anymore about each other. You know, we used to ride bikes and, and, and talk to the neighbor and, and whatever, you know what I mean? Now that's, 
that's the thing of the past. No one does that anymore. Everybody's on a device. You know, you go to a, a restaurant. What do you see? The whole family from the father on down playing on a device. No one's talking at the table. They no, no, you know, they no longer have that dinner talk that we grew up with. You know what I mean? And it's sad to see, but it takes guys like you and I to be able to be leaders, these influencers out there to be able to say, hey, man, this is the way we do it. Let's spark that change. And there's a lot of us out there like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it takes, you know, it, it takes effort to put the stories out there. I mean, you know, my story is one story, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and you take my situation out, just take it all out of the war from country and everything. There's similar stories of people doing selfless acts out there that that are not spoken about. You know, you look mm-hmm. at the media, it's all negative, negative, negative. You know, you look at social media, it's all about show me the best, hide the rest. There's nothing good that's coming out of there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, doing your podcast and putting the story out. And, you know, I'll be doing another podcast uh, with a colleague talking about security situations and everything. They want to talk about more of this and how I looked at it from a security standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, these stories, the more it goes out, the more people hear, the more I hope they be come inspired to do the same type of stuff. Maybe not go to Ukraine, you know, because I've been, I don't want to go over there, I don't need to. But to do all the little things, mm-hmm. you know, do the selfless stuff out there just to give. This, this, this whole story is about me giving myself to help a father and his son. That's the essence of the story. You take all the other stuff out of it. That's the reason why I went to help mm-hmm. it. Now, how many? I, I challenge you. I challenge people listening to this podcast. I challenge you to go out there and help somebody out of the blue, regardless of what it may be. It doesn't have to be extreme. You go to Ukraine, help someone. You see a car that's on the side of the road and someone's change your tire, stop your car and help that person change your tire. Just do something that's selfish, that takes mm-hmm. you out of your norm, that changes up your schedule, that kind of, you will say, well, I, I can't really do it because I have to get, you know, to the grocery store or I need to go to the gym right now. Mm-hmm. Just do something. And then you're going to see two things happen. You're going to see the interaction you have with that person, which is priceless. Mm-hmm. Right. The second portion you're going to see is the feeling that you're going to have internally that you're going to get. The feeling like you actually did something positive. Mm-hmm. And then speak about that. You know, talk to your kids about that. You know, show them that example. And then pass that on to other people. That is what I'm hoping this comes from. That mm-hmm. people will start acting selfless and, and go out there and help others. And I, you know, I, I, I don't doubt it at all, brother. You started a ripple effect. It's like throwing that, that, that stone into that pond. You know what I mean? It's just going to continue to go out and just go out and reach more and more people out there, dude. I mean, this is truly an amazing story, man. When I first heard about it and <laughs> I talked to you and I was like, you know, I was kind of wondering what was going on in Ukraine and stuff like that with all the rumors and all that stuff that's going on. And uh, man, I saw that whole article on people magazine. I'm like, man, we got to talk about this brother. Cause this is absolutely amazing what you did. I mean, it's like something from a Tom Clancy novel. Seriously. They, 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 they like write movies and books about this stuff. And here it is. Good friend of mine who went and did it, you know, and we get to share it on our podcast and uh, to our guests and stuff like that, you know, and it's going to encourage a lot of people, brother. You know, it, it truly is dude. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Tony is, uh, You've always, you know, you, you work in this providing protection company, right? For high-end executives, high net worth individuals and the like, right? Um, taking out that kid and overseeing the extraction of him, how was it different? Like, like, how did it, how were you able to separate yourself in, in the feeling of your own kids and stuff like that? You know, when it, it came down to making the hard decisions because, I had past guests on here, Navy SEALs and, and recon Marines and stuff like that. And one of the things they always talk about 
and you and I both know is being able to step out, right? And not have feelings towards the situation so you can make an educated decision, right? And were you able to do that with this this kid as well? Or were you more emotionally drawn to him because, you know, he was a kid, you know what I mean? Like, how did yeah, that work? It, it, it's definitely hard. And, you know, this is a kid and, and I'm trying to coach him to have him help me because he didn't know the language, you know, and I didn't know the language at the time. But it is hard because, you know, you look at, you look at the kid and I see my kids. Yeah. You know, and this is harder than anything else. You know, everything I've done before, you know, there was no direct correlation mm-hmm. that I could put towards my family, you know, dealing with, you know, foreigners, terrorists, and different things overseas. There's no direct correlation. You know, it, I, I was able to separate the two between mission and home life. Yeah. This kind of dived into both and then not having another person with me to focus mission and be able to separate these two kind of made it hard because, yeah, I'm entertaining the kid and, and, and talking to the kid and I'm, I'm you know, learning the kid too, mm-hmm. uh, trying to keep him engaged so he because so, I'm afraid that, okay, I don't know how this kid will react if there is an actual issue I have to deal with. Is he going to freeze? I, I'm literally coaching him. Yeah. Um, you know, by myself. And then having to deal with whatever situation and also having to figure out my land navigation of where we're going. You know, mm-hmm. multiple things happen at the same time. So, yeah, it was definitely hard. You know, because I'm sitting there getting to know the kid and it reminds me a lot of my kids. Mm-hmm. So you do get that emotional attachment to it. And it's a good thing. It's a bad thing. Emotional mm-hmm. attachment is I'm going to do anything I can for this kid. Um, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, but the bad thing is, you know, it, it can, you could lose focus on, you know, making the right decisions. Mm-hmm. Um because you do get drawn in. Like, I need to protect this kid. I can't have him leave me. So the situation I told you with the two guys that came back, I mean, out, I told him to leave. I'll find you. Yeah. You know, I had to break that, that emotional connection where, no, I need you here and then deal with this. I had to make a decision. Well, it's here for you to be gone away from me into the night, you know, at 7 o'clock at night when it's already dark into a strange city yeah. by yourself and stay here with me. You know, um, and then you're going to be all by yourself, you know, because, yeah, when I want my kids just roaming the streets like that, no, I want them right by my side. I'm protected by my side, but I knew that wasn't the best situation. So, yeah, it was hard. I had to make that decision. I had to, I had to separate my personal feelings, keeping it close to me, um, and, and, and come out with a plan of attack. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it makes it difficult having, you know, developing that connection and, and trying to navigate everything. So, mm. Man, what a tremendous story, man. Tony, once again, thank you for coming on our broadcast, brother, and just sharing it with us. Um, I appreciate you, and I look forward to doing some more of these, brother. Um, how can they reach you, brother? Uh, like, like, So you're on People Magazine. If, if people want to see your your yeah. article, and is where else is it aired at, brother, if you don't mind? It's, it's coming on a law enforcement today. On okay. uh, Memorial Day, uh, there's seven podcasts that be coming on there. Um, it's gonna be it's a, it's linked on my uh, on my LinkedIn. Okay. Um, you know, uh, Anthony Savio on LinkedIn. It's also going on to a website that I just started develop. I developed. It's called. Uh, uh, it's actually my LLC, the Rockfin Group, and it's an area where I bring professionals together. Um, to be able to vet highly trained professionals uh, and link them up with uh, with anybody that needs any issues or anything. So there's a whole forum there. It's going to be linked up onto there. And it's open forum. It's a forum where people can get information. You can ask questions mm-hmm. on uh, various professional things from security all the way to education and various things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I decided to put that out there because I just want to connect with more people yeah. outside of just LinkedIn and, and uh, any other social media. So, um, 
Like it, it just rolled out yesterday. It's called the uh, Rockfin Group. Um, and if you guys want to uh, jump on that, uh, feel free. If you guys have questions on there for me, personal questions of, of this um, issue, mm-hmm. this is story, uh, I'll be more than happy to answer those. My view on what's happening in Ukraine um, and even security issues. You guys want to talk about that? It's free for everybody. Right on, Tony. I definitely got to get on that group and uh, I'll have it in the notes too as well for this. That way, like you said, people can find you and ask any questions you might have. You know, Thank you for being an open book, brother. I know um, what you do is absolutely amazing, brother. And uh, I thank you for sharing. I do. Well, thank you for having me. And I hope uh, this helps out other people. Absolutely, brother. Once again, thank you for coming on our show, man. All right. Take care. Thank you.